1: Big news from Sunday has rocked the impeachment world this week. Details of former National Security Advisor John Bolton's unpublished book manuscript became public. These details suggested that Bolton could provide firsthand evidence that President Trump directly tried to deny security assistance to Ukraine until Ukraine announced investigations into Trump's political opponents, including Joe and Hunter Biden. That assertion from Bolton's book has renewed the call by Democrats for witnesses in Trump's Senate impeachment trial. And yet, that interaction between Trump and Bolton, though potentially the most explosive, wasn't the only chat alleged in the leaked details of Bolton's book. Another was a key interaction between Bolton and Attorney General William Barr, shortly after Trump's now infamous call with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. In this episode, we want to focus on that conversation, what the purported exchange between Bolton and Barr might tell us about the attorney general's role in Ukraine-related events, where it leaves a Justice Department designed to maintain independence from the president and uphold the rule of law, and of course, what it all means for Trump's impeachment trial. This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency and what happens when branches of government collide. I'm Allison Michaels. Matt Zapatowski is The Post's Justice Department reporter. I asked him to come back on the show and answer some questions for me about that Barr-Bolton conversation. Now, according to Bolton's manuscript, the former national security advisor directly told the attorney general in this key conversation that on Trump's July 25th call with Zelensky, the president suggested Zelensky get in touch with Barr about investigations. Matt unpacked these complicated details for me, but first I asked him to explain what this week's early reporting has uncovered out of Bolton's book.
0: Yeah, so in August, by Bolton's account, Bolton is talking to the president, and again, by Bolton's account, the White House disputes this— The president directly ties this aid that is being withheld from Ukraine to investigations that he wants, particularly investigations of the Bidens. That's really remarkable because kind of the core of President Trump's defense at the impeachment trial is there was no quid pro quo. These things weren't tied. But now we have Bolton offering what he says is a firsthand account of the president saying, look, we're not releasing that aid until I get my investigation.
1: So that's potentially a witness account of an interaction between the president and John Bolton.
0: Yeah, correct. We've heard from all these witnesses who said certainly that was their impression, like that was clear to them what was happening, but they never heard President Trump himself Say that We have this July phone call between President Trump and the president of Ukraine, but he doesn't directly tie aid to investigations that he wants. He brings up these investigations that he wants, but doesn't ever say, oh, and I'm not giving you any money unless you do these. But here we have Bolton saying, no, the president told me that directly. I'm not giving up this aid until I get the investigations that I want.
1: And you say the White House disputes this. What argument have Trump's lawyers made? against Bolton's assertions?
0: So one, President Trump has said it's just not true. He's accused Bolton of trying to sell books. And largely at the impeachment trial, the White House has avoided getting into this. However, Alan Dershowitz did say, sort of addressing this head on, even if this were true, it doesn't constitute an impeachable offense. So they kind of have a two-pronged strategy. A, it's not true. B, if it is true, who cares?
1: What about the fact that this allegation was made in a version of John Bolton's memoir. Does that affect the legitimacy of the claim?
0: So the White House is definitely using that to attack the legitimacy of the claim. They're saying, look, this is a guy who's just trying to sell books. He's made this up to sell books. And you know, I think you can fairly look at what Bolton has done throughout this process and raise some questions. He was asked to testify by the House. He ultimately didn't do that. It was only kind of as the Senate trial was about to ramp up that he said, oh, I would be willing to testify before the Senate. Of course, that body is Republican controlled. There's a chance he will never be called. It does feel in some respects like he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. And now we have these leaks from his book, which clearly would help him sell the book, though. I think those in the publishing world would say, well, it's not like the book is going to be released imminently. This isn't particularly helpful for him. And, and you know, his camp claims, look, we're not behind any of this, but uh, the short answer to your question is, yes, that Republicans are using the way this is coming out to attack the veracity of what Bolton is claiming.
1: Okay, so that's the Bolton-Trump piece of this, but there's another piece of the story, which is where I really want to focus much of our conversation. In his book, Bolton also claims to have told Attorney General William Barr that Barr's name had come up in the July 25th phone call between Trump and Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, that now famous phone call. What do we know about how Bolton describes that exchange?
0: Bolton claims that either in late July or early August, after the Trump-Zelensky phone call, the July phone call occurs, that he calls up Barr and essentially says, look, you need to look out for Rudy Giuliani. He's doing some weird stuff related to Ukraine. And oh, by the way, there was this call between President Trump and President Zelensky where President Trump brought up your name. That was the big explosive revelation when the transcript of the call was released. There had been a lot of reporting on the transcript of the call of President Trump pressing President Zelensky for investigations of the Bidens. But what we didn't know before the transcript was released that President Trump actually said on the call, talk to my attorney general, talk to Bill Barr. So now we have Bolton kind of notably saying, and I told Barr that, I told Barr that his name came up in the call. That is in contrast to what Barr has said through a spokesperson about how he learned about the call. And it's raised a lot of questions for the Justice Department and the Attorney General.
1: So just to clarify, what did Barr say he knew or didn't know about that call?
0: So when they released the transcript, Barr, through a spokesperson, put out a statement, and the spokesperson essentially said, we learned about this, Barr learned about this, weeks after the call had occurred, and it was only in the context of the matter kind of coming to the Justice Department as a criminal referral. This came to the Justice Department in kind of a weird way. There had been some angst circulating in the intelligence community about this call. We know now that this whistleblower was contemplating drafting a complaint. The CIA general counsel tells a Justice Department official that this has occurred. The Justice Department official comes over and reads a transcript of the call. This is all in mid-August now. And Barr's claim has always been, that's when he learns. So a couple weeks after. And then the Justice Department has to assess whether a crime is committed on that call. Around this same time, the whistleblower complaint is then filed. So this would be moving up the timeline a few more weeks sort of bar learning in closer to real time that this call had occurred and it raises questions well if you learned in early August why Didn't the Justice Department really move on this until the middle of August? You know, what what sort of was going on there?
1: At this point, has our reporting confirmed whether Barr and Bolton did in fact have this phone call that Bolton claims and what the two talked about?
0: They did have a call. Our reporting on both sides can confirm that, both from Justice Department officials and from Bolton's side. And there's one aspect of the call that is sort of confirmed on both, both sides. And that is that Bolton complained about Rudy Giuliani and what he was doing in Ukraine. He's kind of running this shadow diplomacy, trying to get the ambassador ousted, trying to gin up at least announcements about investigation. So we know that Bolton complained about Rudy Giuliani. But then this is where the two sides diverge. Bolton claims that he told the attorney general about this July phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky where the attorney general's name is mentioned. Justice Department officials, the Justice Department spokesman says by Barr's account, that's not true. Bolton did not bring up that July phone call that Barr, as the Justice Department has said previously, learned about this a couple weeks later when it kind of makes its way over to the department to consider it as a possible crime.
1: Does it matter significantly to the impeachment trial at this point? when Barr knew about the July 25th phone call? I think
0: it does matter. I mean, one, it raises questions for Barr, you know, if it is true that you knew right after this call occurred, what did you do about it? Why didn't you move any quicker? But the dispute also kind of matters for the impeachment trial, right? I think one thing lawmakers are going to have to assess is the credibility of John Bolton if he's ever called to testify or if they're sort of allowed or they decide to consider this manuscript as evidence, and Barr and Bolton being out of step is another factor for them to consider. I suppose in some world you would wonder, Will they want to call Barr in to tell his side of this? I imagine, given the way the Justice Department has resisted them calling other witnesses to testify in the House inquiry, that they would deeply resist the attorney general appearing as a part of this process. But it does make you wonder if there is this dispute and Bolton does ultimately testify, will Barr be called to give his side? Will other top national security officials potentially be called to to give their side? Bolton uh, is a slippery slope here and is an important character.
1: Are there tangible consequences, though, if Barr's previous assertion that he knew nothing about the call until weeks later was false? Sure.
0: This is a person who has a really important job enforcing the laws of the country. And if it sort of comes out that, hey, he misled the public about what happened, that Bolton is actually telling the truth, that would be significant in and of its own right. And again, it just raises questions about the Justice Department's handling of this. You know, they played an important role here in assessing whether uh, the tran you know, when they looked at the transcript of the call, whether a crime was committed, they also played an important role in initially blocking the release to Congress of the whistleblower complaint about this call. So if Barr is knowing about this earlier than is said, or if anything about Barr's account isn't adding up, it raises more questions about how is it that you didn't come to decide this could even be investigated as a crime? How is it that you came to stop the whistleblower complaint from being turned over to Congress? And why haven't you been totally honest with us if you credit Bolton's account?
1: Right, And do the actions that Barr and the Justice Department have taken that you just cited imply that the attorney general has a clear position on some of these matters, like a clear position on what Congress should have access to in the impeachment trial?
0: Yeah. So the Justice Department has not been shy about defending their position that, in their view, Congress should not have gotten this whistleblower complaint in the first place. Their view is that they, the Justice Department, properly treated this as a criminal referral and decided that they couldn't even investigate it as a crime. But I do think all of this comes in to impeachment in an important way is sort of what lawmakers, what senators are trying to do now, is assessing whether this is a high crime or misdemeanor worthy of removing the president. And the Justice Department's role in hiding what occurred here or minimizing what occurred here might be an important aspect to to what's on some lawmakers' mind.
1: Is the Justice Department acting at the direction of the attorney general, or is the entire body, including the attorney general himself, acting at the will of the president?
0: Boy, that is a tough question. In this instance, I think the Justice Department would say, we are acting independently, particularly with regard to the criminal investigation aspect of this. And I should kind of step back here and note, Barr and the Justice Department have really sought to distance themselves from the whole Ukraine scandal. In that same statement where they reveal when Barr first learned about the call, they claimed he had never talked about Ukraine matters with the president or with Rudy Giuliani, essentially suggesting he just has nothing to do with this. He's just like a bit player here. He learns of this kind of at the same time the whistleblower is making noise about it. It would raise more questions, though, if he is being deceitful about that. It would raise more questions about, were you just serving to protect the White House when you decided not to investigate, when you tried to stop this whistleblower complaint from being turned over to Congress? I don't know that we quite have evidence of that yet. It's not as if Bolton is alleging that Barr told him, oh yeah, the president did talk with me about Ukraine, but Bolton is raising questions about Barr's timeline and that sort of makes you question the whole narrative that the Justice Department has has provided about this.
1: So even as Barr and the Justice Department try to distance themselves, they're still advocating in the court systems on behalf of the president.
0: Yeah, that is a very important point to note. So the Justice Department almost views this in two aspects, sort of like there are two articles of impeachment. The first one is, did President Trump abuse his power in pushing for investigations related to Ukraine? And that's the aspect the Justice Department has really tried to put its hands up and walk away from. Barr didn't talk with the president about Ukraine before this phone call, didn't know about it until weeks after it occurred. That's the piece they're walking back from. But then the other piece, the obstruction of Congress article, the the Justice Department is much more in that. So they've defended the administration as they have sought to block witnesses and documents from going over to the Hill. And the Attorney General has been somewhat outspoken in saying that can't constitute obstruction. So on that piece, they're, they're very much in this, and that's important to know. It's more just that first piece, the Ukraine piece and the abuse of power piece that Barr has really sought to walk a fine line in, in not sort of weighing in on publicly and trying to distance himself personally from.
1: And part of that desire to distance himself is based in his relationship with the president?
0: Part of his wanting to distance himself there... I think speaks to your earlier question about the relationship between the White House and the Justice Department. When it comes to potential criminal matters, the Justice Department has historically been independent. The president isn't really supposed to tell the Justice Department what to do there. He's not supposed to order investigations. So the Justice Department really bristles at the notion that they're just operating as kind of like the private investigator for President Trump. They also have an ongoing investigation into matters. Related to some associates of Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer, who have been charged up in federal court in New York. So, in that respect, too, they're trying to say, look we're doing our investigation, we're not connected to whatever Trump was doing here, and and you can kind of see why. Like, that's a little bit messier for them than defending what they see as legitimate invocations of executive privileges or other legal rights to prevent documents from going over.
1: So it's not like Barr is reshaping the attorney general position in some way or – eroding some of the the separation between the Justice Department and the president? Or would you say that we've seen evidence to the contrary?
0: I think his critics would say he is. You know, his critics would say, particularly in the obstruction piece of this, he's really fighting in a way that we haven't seen past Justice Department's fight. You know, their position isn't uh, well, we can turn over a little but not everything. It's like a hard and fast. We're not going to participate in this. So I think his critics see just a naked defender of Trump, but But his sort of reticence to get into the Ukraine stuff does throw a little bit of a wrench in there. He's not gone to the mat totally and defended President Trump in that respect. I think, again, his critics would say, well, he decided not to investigate it as a crime. Initially, he tried to stop this whistleblower complaint from going over. But since that time, he's really kind of tried to walk it back. And you see that here with this Bolton thing, right? Bolton is saying, well, I told you about this call. He's saying, oh, no, 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 you didn't. You know, he's really trying to uh, distance himself from that.
1: It's worth mentioning here that The New York Times also reported more out of Bolton's book manuscript on Monday, suggesting that Bolton told Barr that he had concerns beyond this Ukraine call that Trump was effectively granting personal favors to autocratic leaders. And Barr suggested that he, in fact, shared some of those concerns. How would this purported conversation put Barr in a difficult position today?
0: Well, this one is really interesting, too, because they're talking about—and I'll note that Barr disputes this um, again—but by Bolton's account, they're talking about Trump doing favors for kind of autocratic leaders. And Barr, by Bolton's account, complaining, look, yeah, this is also like— hurting the public's perception of some investigations we have ongoing related to Turkey and China. So that would suggest Barr is kind of venting about President Trump with Bolton. Now again, Barr disputes this. He says, look, if that really is what Bolton has written, and Barr claims he hasn't read the book, then he's attributing to me his own views. I don't agree with that. In this instance, Barr is saying, look, I'm not being critical of President Trump here, and it has real life implications for the Justice Department in this respect. The Justice Department had ongoing or has ongoing cases, and Barr by Bolton's account is complaining that's kind of complicating those. I would note that the two cases that could be at issue there, which was this investigation into a Chinese telecommunications firm called ZTE and this other investigation having to do with Hulk Bank, a Turkish bank, those did seem to proceed unimpeded, like charges were filed, settlements were reached. Not like President Trump's relationship with the leaders of those countries did at the end of the day seem to have an impact on those cases. But Barr, by Bolton's account, was concerned that public perception would be that it would. And that's important to the Justice Department.
1: All right, Matt, last question for you. As pieces of the Bolton book continue to come out and this news unfolds, What are you still hoping to learn? What are you looking for at this point?
0: Boy, I think one thing I'm looking for right now is what evidence there is to support the varying accounts of this. You know, Bolton is known to be a prodigious note taker. What do his notes say? I'm sure Barr or others at the Justice Department who maybe listened into this call have their own notes. What do those notes say? And then the big thing, of course, is what does this do for the senate impeachment trial like does this truly invigorate the quest to get bolton to testify or other witnesses to testify you've seen senator romney suggest look i'm kind of more pro bolton testifying because of these revelations and some of the other moderate republican senators have vaguely hinted that they're going in that direction but at the end of the day Do they get Bolton to testify? Do they push for that? Do they push for other potential witnesses to testify? And then finally, And what does that all mean? If Bolton comes in and shares his story, I imagine, frankly, the White House would uh, try some legal maneuver to block that. But if he did come in and share his story, would that actually change what everyone thinks the outcome is going to be, which is acquittal? That, of course, is the most interesting question. But there are a lot of steps before that that I guess I'm more interested in in the near term.
1: And I'm sure we'll be covering all of those steps here. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. Thank you. The Senate impeachment trial of President Trump continued Tuesday. We'll keep you updated here with continuing deep dives on the major news and presidential power themes that emerge from the trial. For morning briefings on all that happened in the Senate the day before, tune into another one of the Post's politics podcasts, The Daily 202's Big Idea with James Homan. For daily takeaways and major moments from the Senate impeachment trial, listen to The Post's daily news podcast, Post Reports. Or, if you'd prefer it all in one place, subscribe to The Post's impeachment updates podcast feed, where you'll get the latest impeachment news from all three shows, Can He Do That, Post Reports, and The Daily 202's Big Idea. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Can You Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the fitness enthusiast Carol Alderman with help from Ariel Plotnick, design help from Kat Rudell-Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon.